bring you a special bulletin. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. In five. Check for sound. Four. It's showtime. Three. Let's two, go. One. You're listening to the Pro Audio Suite, a program for audio and voiceover professionals. Our hosts are George the Tech Whittam, Robert Marshall, Darren Robbo Robertson, and myself, Andrew Peters. And don't forget, check out our Facebook page, the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Leave your feedback there. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another Pro Audio Suite. And uh, we're all on board this week, which is good. We have uh, Robert in Chicago. G'day, Robert. Hello. George is, I think he's in Colorado from memory. Is that correct, George? Boulder, Colorado. Ah, Boulder. Nanu Nanu. <laughs> and uh, up in Sydney, the uh, the barely functioning Robbo. Hello, hello. I'm here. Been a big yeah, big week for you, Robbo. I made it. I you did. got through it, which yep. is a good thing. Now, this week we're doing a show on radio imaging, which is probably a subject you don't really want to talk about, Rob, because I think that's been most of your week. Well, yeah, but five, 16-hour uh, <laughs> days of it, but no, let's do it. Yeah, we love it when a station decides to relaunch and repackage everything. Mm. Um, and I'm sure one guy, in fact, our guest today would love that, and that, of course, is Andreas from Benstown. We'll be talking to him a bit later on. He's also just scored a nice, tasty bit of business, which we'll mention a bit later in the show if you haven't heard already. But talking about radio imaging and radio in general... I think it's a good topic, so, something we haven't touched on yet. Well, we haven't. And uh, my first question is, and I know that uh, this is probably one for George, if you're set up to record radio imaging, um, what are the basics that you need for your studio? I would say, um, I don't think it differs that much from other types of voice work for the voice actor, but, you know, because as a talent, your job generally is still to just record a good, clean, direct, dry voice. You know, a lot of producers don't like the talent slathering on a bunch of front-end stuff. But, um, you know, a very direct, dry-sounding studio, I think, is definitely important. Because um, the producer is not going to want to have to listen to whatever reverberation or resonances that are in your studio. So for some people, that might even mean a dynamic mic um, to get that kind of a sound. But a, certainly a shotgun mic, our favorite 416, or maybe that Rode NTG4 that I hear you've been playing around with, Andrew, um, yeah. could be a pretty good tool for that kind of work. Is it? Is it the kind of work that's more done... And mailed in and, and not as many live sessions, or is there also a connectivity? Uh, these days, there's a lot of, yeah, out of, out of house voices used, absolutely, especially now that the radio stations have realized they can reach out to the world to find their station voice. Up until recently, uh, one of the stations that I image in Singapore was using an Australian male and female. So, yeah, so, and that's certainly not unusual. Yeah, it's funny because the stuff I do, I, I don't even talk to, um, the client at all, the producer at all. I mean, I just get an email if there's any uh, pronunciations that need to be uh, looked at that could be tricky, local names and whatever. They'll give me a little sound bite. He'll just say it and I'll obviously mimic uh, the pronunciation. But uh, apart from that, I just do it all on my own, maybe three takes and it's gone. Uh, talking about microphones though, I did actually see, uh, I think it was it was on Recording Hacks and uh, it was a piece about the uh, 41.6. And at the bottom, there was a rant from a guy who's obviously a talent. I read that and I actually thought he's, it wasn't a rant. I thought he was, he was quite justified in what he was saying. And he, he was um, bemused and confused by the, uh, the proliferation of the 41.6 as a voiceover mic. 
Because it's uh, so full of distortion? Uh, I think it's, well, a lot of things. It's, you know, it's got its, uh, certainly got its own sound, but I don't think it's particularly an accurate sound as far as um, capturing the, the human voice. It's certainly hyped. That, that, that was What's hit. fascinating about that mic is it sounds compressed. I, I think it's more, it's, it's got a big proximity effect to it. It's a shotgun, so it kind of, you know, the only thing with a bigger proximity effect than that would be a, a figure eight, but then it would pick up too much of the other side of the mic. But I, I think it's that with a certain sort of, I don't know what harmonic distortion it is, but it's, a, it's this type of distortion that makes it cut through mixes. Mm. And so it makes it very easy to mix with. And it certainly has like a kind of a beginning effect to most people's voice, I think. Definitely. Yeah, I th- yeah it definitely has a beginning effect. <laughs> That's for sure. It, yeah. it just has this innate, weird quality of sounding already processed. I was working with a talent yesterday with uh, an Apollo, and we were setting up processing chains and all this kind of stuff. And he was saying, you know, I'd set up one with processing with a limiter and a compressor. And he was working with CBS, and they were saying, hey, man, will you cut out the compression? And so I made him a chain without compression, without limiting, just some EQ. And um, I listened to him through the chain on Source Connect now because I, when I'm dialing in people's processing, I'm doing it real time live over Source Connect now. And yep. um, you're listening to his read back with no compression whatsoever on the 416, about a fist's width away from the mic, so pretty tight. And it, it still sounds like there's some kind of compression on it. It's really fascinating what that mic does. It's totally different. Yeah, I, I think if anybody wanted to hear, you know, what it more sounds like, then they would uh, get an Omni microphone, get it extremely close to them, and that would have no proximity effect and would be probably more a little bit more accurate and maybe even unflattering, but it would probably sound incredibly natural, you know? You mean a DPA, D-Fine headset, ear set mic for about 800 bucks <laughs> with the capsule about an inch and a half from your mouth to the yeah. left? <laughs> That would definitely work. That'd do it. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> but it would it would be that very clean, natural. It wouldn't be that that yeah. huge like sound. And I think I think it, I yeah. think it's the imperfections that are the things that make the four sixteen uh, sorry forty one six special. <laughs> forty one six. The thing that struck yes. me because AP right. and I were talking about this during the week is that the, from what I can see of the curve, it's very much where you EQ anyway. You know, where you go in and you get that sort of, I call it the air up in that 5K and up mark. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, the, the 416 almost does that for you. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's, the, it does. it's the voiceover version of the 80s AKG D112 for a kick drum. Yeah, right. It, yeah. It's like just like, <laughs> of course. there's your kick drum EQ. <laughs> Yeah. Snappy, snappy, yeah. 80s kick. It's a pre yeah. mic. I guess for me, I mean, I. It's the lazy producer's mic. Oh, did I say that? <laughs> I mean, I, look, I started out in radio 30 odd years ago, and, and 416 was the only microphones in the building in production suites. But the interesting thing, I guess, is that, you know, that's all the shit that you hype when you do radio. You know, you overcompress, you stick in more of that high stuff that you would than you would normally do. You know, because you want it to cut through a, a thumping promo bed underneath and all that sort of stuff. So, I guess for, for for radio in terms of today's episode, that's the sort of stuff you're looking for anyway. I suppose. I think for anything announcer, it's not just radio; it's also a commercial announcer. Anything that you want to cut through and be like, have this sort of listen to me edginess, mm. possibly even on the verge of like annoying, like yes. right in your face. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, 
you yeah. can't get away from me kind of sound. That's right. It's got exactly. this. It's got the sound of being inside your head. Yeah. Yeah. What's crazy, Robert and guys, is that I have talked to numerous voiceover actors who whose primary role is as an audiobook narrator, or only thing they do is audiobook. Would you believe? I know number a number of them, not like newbies, but fellows with eight hundred plus titles under their belt that use the forty one six. See, I would yeah, think right. for an audio book. Is that bizarre for an audio book? It is. I, I would think for an audio book more in that price range. And it's like more like a 103 yeah. or something a little bit more natural right. and Absolutely. open. And yep. just, you know, like that's not so fatiguing. So does that mean it's a really versatile mic? Or does that mean it's just everybody's just kind of given up? I said to AP yeah. the other day, I think it's it's a bit like, it's almost becoming a bit of a standard. Do you know what I mean? Like, because you walk into... Any audio production facility around here or any even in Melbourne, I've been to a few in Melbourne, everyone uses a 416, you know, it, and AP I'm sure would attest to this. You know, if you're going for a session somewhere, 95% of the time you'll be standing in front of a 416. So I think... I would say it replaced the U87. Yeah. I, I, I actually think, think it's right, just yeah. the sound that people expect now. If you send someone yeah. a file... And, and and that you haven't recorded with them, they're probably ex- they their ears are used to that four one six sound. So if it doesn't sound like that, they're going, "Hang on, what's wrong here?" I'd agree. Well, it's, yeah, it's the I've it's had that experience directly of the, where of, of the month, yep, or the yeah, or the ten years, or the more the decade, yeah. or the last three decades. I've, I mean, I have a situation where a client was using a forty one six recording promo, mm-hmm. doing stuff for ABC, and I was in there notching out eight K. I wasn't happy with how mid-high, I thought it was harsh. So I, I smoothed out the mic. Well, the, the engineers at ABC is like, is there, something, is there something up with the mic? Is there something wrong with that mic? And I'm thinking, no. But, you know, I, I, <laughs> I EQ'd out what makes that mic sound like that mic. And as soon as I did that, they were like, well, whatever you did, can you just turn that off? And I just flattened the <laughs> EQ and they're like, ah, there we go. Thanks. Yeah, and I'm right. listening to it and going, oh, it's so harsh. And, yeah. you know, but that's, that is a sound. That's, that's what they're the used sound. to. And yeah. that's what they were looking for. Yeah. It's, it's that buzzsaw that will cut through anything. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. I, yeah. Uh, we sort of alluded to at the beginning of the show, I've done pretty much a solid week of radio this week where normally my week's a bit more mixed. And I got to last night, I seriously got to 5.30, 6 o'clock last night as I was finishing the last promo and my ears were so fatigued, it wasn't funny. I, I, I just was, was, was blood dripping out your ears. Yeah, I was just so yeah. aware that my ears just couldn't take any more of it. If today had been a work day, I would have had to take the day off because it just does your head in. It's crazy. So, so the, 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 the point where it's gone too far is when the 416 becomes the preferred vocal mic for like music. And I, I'll, 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 I, <laughs> well, that I'm not kidding I not. wouldn't be surprised if it becomes a preferred vocal mic for rap. Really? Yeah, well, Why not? I suppose it's got that spoken word quality to it, though, doesn't it? I guess. Yeah, I, I, I could see it happening. Just like slice through that big mix. Yeah. And it's got that sort of like in your face quality. I, I yeah. think it might work for certain productions, but if it becomes the mic for uh, um, whatever, like some jazz singer, like, oh my God, okay. Yeah, it's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Well, we've been playing around with um, shoddies this week, hence the discussion that Robbo and I have been having. But. Um, and one of the, the mics we will talk about in a couple of episodes uh, when we do one on road cases um, is uh, the NTG4, um, which is a field mic. It's a shoddy, but it does have a couple of features. Which Shotgun to like. the rest of the world. Shotgun mic, indeed. Um, and it does have a couple of filters, <laughs> like a high pass and a 
uh, a high boost, which is kind of handy if you're on the road in a Duna castle or a pillow fort. So the high boost gives it a little bit more of a 41.6 hop top end uh, hype. Is that right? Yeah. Kicking the high boost? Yeah. So besides the road and the 416, which really, I think the road is trying to, you know, slide in there and do a, a similar thing as the 416, but do does it, does anybody find shotguns being used for voiceovers and, and not for ADR? Because all kinds of other shotguns are used for ADR, but specifically for voiceovers and promos. Does anybody find like Shep's shotguns being used for these or or some other popular shotgun? No. Um, commonly? I can't think yeah. of yeah. ever seen Everybody's one. buying one to save money. It's very rare I find someone that buys a better 416. Like the uh, MKH60, or mm-hmm. the Sheps, or the Neumann, or whatever, um, because they also don't sound like the 416. They don't. So, and, and, and it's a funny thing. I yeah. wonder if part of the popularity of the 416 also boiled down to, well, it's half the price of a U87. Maybe. Well, third goes, the price these days. Oh, it'd be a third. I think a uh, third of you, the price. Yeah. yeah. You pay, uh, well, in Australian dollars, you're paying 4000 or close to four. Three and a half thousand for a U eighty seven, and you're paying a yeah. thousand mm-hmm. for a forty one six. Oh, they're they're, they're under a thousand US now. I, I thought they were like twelve hundred bucks. No, you pick one up for a thousand thousand right. Aussie. So I think nine hundred. Talking new, something. right? Yeah, I'm talking new. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So definitely, I think the price could have helped its popularity, so to speak. You know, but doesn't it go back to well, you, uh, I mean, that promo guy in, in the states yeah. years and years ago who it does wanted to get out of the booth because he. <laughs> He thought everyone was talking about it him does. behind his back. Yeah, well, the well, name well, right well, now slips my mind, but the Love Boat announcer, the fellow that announced all the Love Boats in the 70s on ABC. Um, well, I can't believe I can't remember his name right now, but um, he was the one that said, I want to be outside the booth. I want to be in the control room. Uh, I don't like being in here all day because that was the day of live promo announcing. You were in the booth all day <laughs> just oh, doing wow, live yeah. promo. You know, so... He didn't hate. He hated being in there all day and kind of behind the glass like uh, a zoo animal. What, what was Don LaFontaine? Uh, Don, like? Don. I'm sure Don was on a 416 all the time, but at home he was on a manly cardioid reference. Oh, the big gold for one. The last yeah. time that I knew him, black and red one. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's the 416 became popular. The legend is for for that reason because it was able to reject control room noise better than uh, a large diaphragm mic would. Yeah. Um, and it just started to gain momentum. I think once Don was, it was being used on Don a lot, then it just really stuck. And uh, it's been there ever since. And there's a lot of voice talent who are looking for an alternative to that mic. I know uh, fellows trying out other Sennheisers, like the 80, the 8000 series is their newer series. Nice. And they're the large diaphragm in one. many ways superior yeah. mics. And they have the 8040, the 8050, 8060. And the um, you know the eighty fifties are really nice sounding hypercardioid pencil mic. It's only five inches long, or four inches long, and um, very travels really well. And um, if you know how to use it, sounds dang good. AP, what was the Shaw mic that was the standard in the on air studios here in Australia for through the eighties and the nineties? Well, like it's gone out. Of well, there was the SM seven. That's the one. The SM seven B. Yeah, that that was. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> we both got the cost this morning. Um, yeah, the SM7B, that was uh, all through. It was all through everywhere, wherever you went. Yeah, that's that was, still, that, that is one. still a very popular mic, and it's very popular also in music circles. It's yeah. sort of um, not as glorious as some big, large diaphragm condenser, but you'd be surprised how many 
even final vocals for albums are are done with that mic. And yeah, right. if it's given the right preamp, that mic is great. But it needs a good preamp behind it. Mm. It it's needs a, heavy a lot of lot of because uh, very gain. it needs a lot of gain. I, I yeah. saw uh, even if you watch the Metallica movie documentary, you'll see the SM7B being used for vocals in that. Yeah, right. Yep, absolutely. Yep. It's it's used quite a bit, and 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 there's a number of microphones in that sort of dynamic condenser-ish void. You know, like the 421 comes to mind, which is one of my favorite mics. Certainly, um, the 441 as well. Even the Bayer M88 is in that area, mm. I believe. Mm. Yeah, and there's that it, new one I mentioned to you, Andrew, the um, Microtech Gefell Dynamic. Yeah, uh, that I saw at Nam. That thing sounded very hi-fi. For lack of a better word, it had a pretty open top end, considering it was a five hundred dollar dynamic mic. It was pretty impressive. Yeah, wow. I I saw your um I saw your video on that because you sent me the link to it, but I saw it when you first posted that link, and I I, I saw that uh, they were launching one, and I was curious to uh, watch that video to see what you had to say. But it looks like it's pretty good. Yeah, I I, I think I think Neumann's got a handheld dynamic that is supposed to again be very just good, even though it's dynamic. It's or whatever, the materials, it's probably all in the material science that makes those things. Yeah. Now, while we're talking about that part of the world, um, we're going to stay in Germany because our guest is in Stuttgart. Hence the reason for the name of the company, Benstown. It's Andreas Sanemann. Well, we have uh, our special guest this week is Andy Sanemann from Benstown Branding, which I'm guessing is going to be based in Stuttgart based on the fact that so is Mercedes-Benz. Is that correct, Andy? That is correct. It's based in Stuttgart in Germany and in uh, Glendale, which is a part of Los Angeles in California. As well, there's people working basically in all time zones. So we got staff in the UK, New Zealand, Australia, and um, there's people on the East Coast in the United States as well. Give us a rundown, mate. What do you do? How do you do it? Where do you do it? Uh, um, A rundown of a typical day. I mean, it's a tough one because there is um, hardly a typical day. If you try to um, run our operation that size uh, within different time zones, but in a perfect world, um, I'd like to spend a lot of uh, time with my team here and uh, also get like in front of Pro Tools. And because I still do a lot of the CHR production for Benstown, uh, of course, there's a lot of administrative work involved, um, a lot of management work, which I hate the term management, so I call it more like. Uh, Trying to help other people out going through their day, to phrase it in a nicer way. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's really tough to say like an ideal day looks like that or looks like that. Where did you get the idea to uh, set up Benstown? So my partner here, Ollie and I, were doing like um, custom imaging in Germany and Switzerland and um, in Austria. And before we were working for several stations as like uh, fixed staff. I got out to five and then basically started like our imaging slash production company doing maybe jingles and um, being trapped kind of like in the situation, either like uh, doing work or trying to get new business on. We decided to look for a bigger market or the biggest market, which was basically the United States. And I think still is the biggest radio market. So flew over there, met some people. Basically, people were asking if we could like do an imaging service. And without me ever seeing an imaging service before, um, I was brave enough to say yes. And that's, that's basically how the ride started, two, seven, two, eight, after meeting my partner, Dave, who is still um, in charge of the entire U.S. operation. 
As well wow. as being creative on the air, you as, as a business, as a brand, Bentown is pretty creative in, in terms of things off the air as well, things like the Iron Imager and all that sort of stuff. How did, how did all that find its way into your business mix? That's a great question, indeed. I mean, I think we never thought about like doing something for marketing purpose. It's just something which is built in naturally in like my days and all these personalities. So um, being inspired by guys like Richard Branson or like the guys really like put themselves out there to, to, to help the brand they work for like to succeed. I think these things just came naturally like to us because we also wanted like to give something back to the imaging community. Right. And like, um, I think in Europe and the United States it's mostly like the guy sits somewhere in a dark chamber, like down in the basement and creating stuff. And like our goal was a little bit with our imagery to shine light like on these people who are significantly important to shape and create like a, a brand, a sound brand, you know, the, 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 the brand for the station. And I think that was the story behind, um, behind Iron Imager. But in general, with all we do, we just try to be genuine and give something back to the community and put ourselves out there and, and shine a light on our craft, which is, I think, often overlooked and um, not for the right reasons, to be really honest. I notice you also have, uh, I may be completely wrong here, but do you have some kind of a barter system? Um, yeah, basically most of the business we do in the United States is based on barter. That's a typical typical business structure in the United States. So it's very uncommon in Europe. US and Canadian market is like the, the most common system. Like I think like 80% of all the radio transactions in the United States are done programming-wise on a barter basis. So you, you, in return for your product, you receive airtime, is that correct? Exactly, and some other guy slash company is going to go and sell that for you and then uh, take a cut and you make uh, get the money. That's like also a short explanation for something which is really complex and uh, <laughs> complicated for a creative guy like me to understand. So I'm not like, I'm not a specialist for, for barter dealings and barter uh, in general. Yeah, because we, we actually do have a system here with um, our traffic network, which is the Australian Traffic Network, uh, which is an American okay. uh, company. Yeah, so we have that same system. So, it, say, based on the barter system, say, for instance, me being a voice guy, I want to get onto uh, Benstown's website and offer my services to whoever wants to buy it. Um, do I work on a barter system or do I work on a, a cash system? Yeah, that's basically what we do for you. Like we basically put you in a barter system, but pay you cash. So, which is for us um, uh, a little bit risky because we obviously go in advance and you never know for like the exact amount of the number the airtime gets sold because this is of course fluctuating after. And like I said, I'm really not the specialist, but this is really uh, considering like economy, economic terms and like uh, uh, bookings from, from big ag agencies and advertisers. So in general, like, we pay the people in our roster cash, but we receive we trade them in for barter. Wow, that's a really really interesting model. I know it works very well for uh, the Australian traffic network here. Yeah, I think it works pretty well for for voiceover talents too. I mean, if you go to the site bensound.com, go to voiceover, you see. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm really blessed, and I'm, I think we're all really thankful for. Um, the great voiceover people we work with and we use them as well in our libraries and we're really blessed like um, to, to work with a lot of them for, for a long time. And this goes also like kind of back to Australia, which is a funny story. So the guy I worked the most with on the CHR library is called Harry Legg. And I found Harry when I was in Australia in 2005 visiting a guy called Casey Baker. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I love 
Uh, you might remember the name, DJ He's Casey a mate of mine. Bates. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Casey, he's a mate of yours, Robert Casey. He is yeah, indeed. Okay. Yeah. Casey Baker, yeah. 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 So basically, Casey was using this, like, powerful, awesome American voiceover, and I came back to Germany and remembered that, and I was like, who was that guy? So I reached out to Casey and said, hey, Casey, like, the voiceover guy you're using, what's his name? He said, yeah, Terry, here's an introduction, he's a good friend of mine, blah, blah, blah. So that's how I basically like um, started to know Harry, and Harry's the voice of our CHR library since uh, yeah, since we started in 2007. So like we've been with a lot of these people for a long, long time, and really appreciate uh, their ongoing support and, and and the climate we could create for them and us on the business side too. I put this wow. out there. I reckon Casey Baker's probably one of the most talented CHR producers that's been around for a long time. It's a, sh- a shame he. Um, he decided to go off and make his own movies and produce his own movies. But I tell you what, his work at that time was killer. Yeah, I agree. Like, he's a really impressive guy as well as a lot of Australian talent. I was um, really happy to work with back in the days and still are. So there's a lot of great Australian imaging producers. Uh, just to name a few, Matt Nicolich, David Konsky, of course, Robbo himself. I mean, <laughs> Saidi, there's so many good people, you know. I mean, it's impressive for uh, a relatively small country or population, how many great imaging guys you have. Not to not to forget Chris Davis, who we work with on the Hot AC Library. Really talented guy. Yeah, it's funny. It all started yeah. with Tom, with Jeff Thomas, I think. I think he was the first real one to make his international stamp. And I think, um, well, I mean, I obviously I trained under Tomo. I started my career under Tomo and learned a lot from him. But I tell you, he's um, he was probably the first first real Australian name to get out there, wasn't he? Yeah, but I think it was a different thing. I think it was part of the um, that whole um, con- consultancy of radio stations that came out of Australia. Ian Grace was one who was picked up by Richard Branson to uh, program the uh, Virgin Network. Well, that's how Tomo landed there, right? The correct, yeah. yeah. So that was kind of really the beginning of all that, and that was early 90s. Yeah, I think Australian radio in general is, I mean, it's pretty impressive, Um so where's the growth for Benstown at the moment then? I mean, clearly Australia has been in the last couple of years uh, sort of killing things in a production sense, but where's the growth for Benstown now? Uh, dude, like we're growing, I mean, we're luckily growing like on all ends. So, I mean, we do a lot of different things, uh, mostly around the term radio imaging, but I mean, we got really growth overall um, business area. So we still grow on the library side of things, which is one of the most... Um, successful ventures and the first we started in the United States. Um, more than 1,700 clients now and still growing. Affiliations all over the globe. VoiceOver, we still grow there. A custom imaging has been like the, I think the latest department where we saw like significant growth over the last year. Um, fantastic. Um, and we're exploring new things too. I mean, not to say that Ollie and, and I still compose a lot of music for jingles and do a lot of TVC work over here in Europe. and. There's a lot of things going on at the same time, but it's all growing and all healthy, which is um, I'm pretty happy about, to be really honest. Yeah. So talk us through the libraries because I, I'm they're of particular interest to me. I've always sort of thought about starting a library and then I look at the work that you guys do and some of the other great stuff that's out there and just think, you know what, I don't need to compete with that. <laughs> but um, um, I, 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 you, you have a particular way of working. You Each of your libraries has its own production dude, right, and its own voice voiceover uh, and all the rest yeah. of it. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So um, we do basically 22 different libraries. Um, I think mostly all radio formats covered. And uh, of course, there's one or two voiceovers, um, dedicated voiceovers to that library too. And then you've got like creative people behind it, like writers. Sometimes the imaging guy writes himself. Sometimes there's a writer involved. And then a lot of people who make all the zip, zap, sounds, noises, music, and all that goes into that uh, library, which is kind of like... Um, 
like if we describe people what we do, so we provide the ingredients for guys like you um, to create product. It's actually quite interesting. It's like a, it's sort of a, a, a producer in your pocket, isn't it? It's if, if for those who sort of aren't radio orientated, uh, the libraries are formatted for CHR or AC or classic rock or whatever your station's format is. But basically, as well as the sounds and sound effects that you'd expect, there's also sort of pre-produced promo beds and pre-produced um, uh, music montages and, and promos and sweepers and all that sort of stuff, which must take you guys a, a massive amount of time for, across all those libraries to produce all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's a big time commitment, also a big money commitment, because at the end of the day, you need to pay all these people to put this together, right? Mm. Um, But I think it has a lot of advantages for um, a lot of different reasons, Um, especially in the United States where, like, there's, like, one imaging guy left for six radio stations. Yeah. So as you are, like, a specialist for this uh, yourself, you can, like... uh, relate to like what their work days are looking and how realistic is that, that they're going to like get everything done. Their PD, APDs of all the different stations asking them to do. Mm. So, um, yeah, we solve, I think a real, um, problem here, which means like uh, time and like uh, lack of people basically. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I equate it to, um, like when I was working, I always, uh, I always would mix out a promo, but then I'd mute the voiceover and you know, on a Friday afternoon when the PD came in and said, I need this promo done and I want it on the air by, you know, nine o'clock in the morning, <laughs> you do the old sneaky, you know, back in those days, pull out the DAT that had all your promo beds on it. You flick through and go, oh, yeah, I can use that one and I can chop to that one and that one and sort of cheat your way out of having to build a whole promo. And um, you guys sort of dish that up, but sort of, you know, on steroids, really. I mean, it's really also different depending on the market, depending on the people using it, but we can really see... Um, the differences in, in usage, um, which is not related to any like factors. Mm. So you can't basically tell guys in big markets just going to go do, do this, guys in smaller markets just going to use this, or this particular format is like these categories are the most important. It is really not the case because everyone using that library is working kind of different. That's not there's not not a clear user case. I think is what I want to want to say. Yeah. What is your plan for that event when radio does become a less of an important uh, part of our daily life? Well, it's really difficult to say because we're like still in it. So, I mean, I, I feel there's, um, I agree. I mean, uh, technology is going to change and technology has changed. I mean, we see DAB plus in Europe. I don't know if you guys have that over there. Yep. Um, yep. Of course, we got, we got the internet, right? surprise uh, we got like uh, now smart speakers which basically transmit radio just in a different form what we do right now like kind of podcast is kind of like talk radio so I, I think there's going to be growth fields for the fields who are going to basically go back right so I, I'm not believing especially in a big country in the United States that terrestrial radio is going to die so I don't see that like all that negative than other people but there's definitely a shift coming and and with AI and a lot of new things, Google go into podcasting now and a lot of new things going on. I mean, there's going to be definitely new fields to conquer and new things um, new things to do. But I think our audio expertise will make us uh, relevant for all these type of things. And yeah. you see that in the podcast world too, right? You have yeah. like fantastic produced and well put together podcasts. And you also have like podcasts really not sound that great. And I think like guys like Robo and I, we could be a great help. All these people you know and i think like diversification is like uh, a word like everybody's using just all the time and i think that's that's 
literally speaking, I mean, that's the key. I mean, I think you need to diversify more and then try to and try to make inroads in, in new types of like how to create the business. If this is movie, if this is podcast, if this is like online content. I mean, they all need kind of like sounds and, and what we do, maybe in a different form. But I still believe there's going to be a market for what we do 100%. Now, talking about sound, I've got to chuck this one in there. I, ASMR. What are your What are your thoughts on on ASMR? That's a difficult one. Um, <laughs> Put him on the spot. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the weirdest thing. In the, I, I find it quite strange that it's not just voice, but it's sound. Um, it could be someone brushing their hair or something for thirty minutes. It's all all quite bizarre. I don't know. I think, of course, there has to be like a psychological component to that, right? I mean, it's not, I mean, not that we can doubt that there is no component to this, but I mean, it's really like to put me on the spot. I really never like thought about it big time. So this is something which I really would have to dig in and like try to do some research on. I mean, I've seen the videos of girls basically brushing things to make you sleep or um, doing whispers like for half an hour, but I definitely believe believe there's a psychological meridian, psycho psychological component to it, and also like a, a sensory component to it. But as being not an MDR or like a doctor, it's really difficult for me to elaborate on those things. You know, I mean, there's specialists for that, I assume, and they can tell you far more things than I could. So, but what I find interesting though, and I, I, no one's actually done this yet that I'm aware of, but you can almost see ASMR being used in certain formats. If you're doing a format that is, say, for instance, a smooth kind of format, you could almost have subliminal sounds in the background that are just barely audible that have the effect that yeah, you I get mean, from ASMR. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it tested. It'd be interesting. At least in our industry, right? I don't know like what like the big car companies do. Maybe you get an orgasm and you slam a door in a particular way or like, you get into the... I don't know. I mean, but I wanted to say, I mean, there's industries who have a lot of more budgets to spend on stuff like that. Than- but I, I can imagine that in a car, actually. If you had uh, ASMR in cars, that if you do something like you're speeding or you're falling asleep or you're moving out of lanes, I mean, this is all part of autonomous cars, but something, some kind of sound will happen to counteract whatever you're going through that could be dangerous. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's definitely like a lot of new interesting ways uh, uh, this could get us to. But like I said, I'm really not an expert. I mean, I cross-read a few articles back in the days. I mean, there was a big one on the BBC about it, a German newspaper. Like, um, I think I found it, like, uh, took it up a few months ago. And But it's it's really not a lot, lot, not my field besides... I think there's something there, but the question is like how much and like who can use it, kind of like hard to answer for me right now. Yeah. Like I've said, I I don't think anyone's actually thought about how that could work in a radio situation but as part of a format package. Yeah, but I think people already do it, right? If you look for a soft jazz format, for example. I mean, people already do it by maybe by accident. I mean, you're not put like you're not putting like a rock jingle on a soft AC format or a soft, or a soft smooth jazz format, right? So you already work with kind of like what is like used in that world, right? You already work with like pads and 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 and, and, and like sounds were soft and gentle, like to support the voiceover and that imaging. The sound logos of certain companies already like far smoother than they used to be, you know. Um, I mean, if you look at the car brands like Audi, I mean, is this ASMR or is this like just a sound logo, which, uh, 
you know, like a heartbeat, you know, what is it? I mean, it's, I think people do that by accident already because they feel something when they create sound, right? They can't maybe yeah. describe it on a, in a scientific way, but they already feel something when they create something. And I think that's part of it. Yeah. Well, you think about Nike. I mean, they did the same thing with the swish years ago. So, um, and probably didn't even think about what they had done. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. But uh, now talking about um, voices, uh, your your uh, voice bank is predominantly uh, US voices. What is your, is that because your major market is based in the United States? Yeah, I think that's the case. And then because we're not a management company, right? So we're not a voiceover management company. It's really important. We're not a management voiceover company. If I would try yeah. to build a voiceover managing company of course um there's going to be a lot of more other talents on there and we used to have like some australian uh talent on there it's just difficult to market and 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 to 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 get signings you know for them in the united states of course because uh i think uh, the accent and and the u.s stations rely on the guys they know and they had forever yeah but we had a guy called rick wade which is also one of my oldest friends in australian radio he was on our roster for a long time and maybe he still is I don't know Rick, actually. Do you know Rick, Robbo? Uh, I know the name, yeah. He used to be one of the imaging guys, Triple M, back, back in the days. He was yeah, yeah that's it. That's where I know him from, yeah. He was our voice for the Rock Library. And like he, he was used by one of our employees now these days, uh, Justin, who used to work in Albuquerque. And he used him as a station voice in Albuquerque, which was pretty uncommon like to have an awesome voice guy on an American radio station, but it sounded pretty cool. I think it worked well for them because it was a significant uh, difference. So I think we also have some UK voiceover, to be to be fair, but it's just not that we we can't deliver in terms of like people not going to call us and say, hey, can we have uh, XYZ from the UK for barter in the United States? I don't think this is going to happen, you know? Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, actually, with uh, Australian voices, though, because now I'm doing more overseas work. And we were, to, in fact, Robbo and I were talking about this just today. Um, the radio stations in Singapore, quite a number of them, have Australian voiceover doing their imaging. There's a lot of Australian programmers there, you know. Yeah, it's like the Philippines having like a relationship with the United States. So we do a lot of work on the Philippines. A lot of the voiceovers is U.S. and a lot of the imaging is U.S. type style of imaging. And I think for Singapore is because there's a lot of Australian PDs, a lot of Australian radio folks there, so they rely on what they know and what what matches the market for them, you know. I mean, you see that with the UAE and, like, England, for example, or the UK. There's so many British people in the UAE working in Dubai and and then and, and doing radio there. <laughs> well, it's funny I because I, I, I do um, Dubai Eye in, in Dubai, and uh, it's myself and uh, an English voiceover... Emma Clark, in fact, her name is. Give her a plug. Uh, okay, so that's cool. in, it's an interesting thing because I, you know, I'm sort of like that mid, what they used to call mid Atlantic, I think, in the good old days, and probably used to <laughs> smoke Peter Stuyvesant while they were being mid Atlantic voiceovers. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I think at the end of the day, our business is a pretty relationship-based business, and um, I also think it's difficult for somebody who is not native speaking to feel what type of accident is it in a particular way, you know. Mm-hmm. I would assume that a guy from Singapore, um, let's say a Malay guy from Singapore, has a hard time to define if you have like a little bit of Australian English or American accent, if you can do it right, which I assume you could with your track record. So I think you're right. I think that it's the same with, you know, I mean, I'll see average non-North American 
if they were in a bar with a Canadian and a, an American, they probably wouldn't be able to pick the two apart. 100%. 100%. So, um, so what's your favourite format to work in then? Uh, it's a really tough question because, I mean, I'm a radio guy through and through, so I kind of like if I say I like everything, it's kind of like uh, oh, I get that. CHR is my go-to and I really enjoy doing CHR. Mm. But I also love like rhythmic, I love urban, I love um, rock. I think rock is a really interesting and really awesome format to work in because you can go over, you can cross borders, you, you can do crazy stuff. And um, I think uh, all the writing-related formats is cool to work in too. So I've never done a lot of news talk imaging, but I'm really impressed uh, with the work of my guys do on the news talk side of things because there's so much writing and, and so much creative going into that format, which is not as production intense, but a lot of like a lot of more head intense than like a CHR station, in my opinion. Mm. So um, I think like all the formats have their have their interesting points. To be really honest, I was only thinking about this this morning, and I'm interested in your answer. And I I, I won't give you my answer to this question that I contemplated this morning <laughs> until I hear yours, but. For me, the, the the gratitude of radio for a long time, for many years, was uh, I'd go into the radio station to work in the morning and I would produce a promo that I thought sounded really cool and the gratitude for me for that was getting in the car and hearing it come on the radio on the way home and cranking it up and going, yeah, that sounds fucking great. Uh, obviously, with, with things changing and, and working for myself now and, and imaging stations that, you know, I can only really listen to on the internet when I've got five minutes and actually sort of get a chance to sit down and have a listen. I've had to find other sort of gratitude in inverted commas in the work that I do. It must be even more so for you. I mean, you're creating libraries that are going out all across the world and you don't get anywhere near that gratification. How, what, what do you take away at the end of each day? Um, I think it gets easier the longer you do it, right? Mm. So when you, you're absolutely right. When I used to work at Big FM, which is like a CHR station here, I got this uh, exact experience you were describing, like every day. Like, right, you drive home, you hear what you've done, you're like pumped up, or you think, oh, I need to correct this and that, I can do this and this. And um, Over the years, getting for sure is getting different, and I got a different point of view now because I know that so many people uh, use what I do. It mm. makes me kind of proud, and I'm really happy with every new signing and every new client because I know they're going to use what we're going to put together and take their own spin on it and make it even better. Yep. On the other hand, you don't get this gratification. So I still do some custom work where I can listen to the station terrestrial, which give me kind of that uh, gratification. And maybe I just do this because of that, because it's not paid that well. Um, <laughs> but sometimes you see like a TVC you compose music for on TV, it still gives you like a, a good feeling, right? I mean, it's not, it's no doubt that this is kind of missing, but it's not that important for me anymore because... I feel I work so much more for so many more different people than just working for one station. I think that's a big difference. If yeah. I work for just one station and could not hear it, I think it would freak me out. If I know now that I work like for so many stations and try to help so many people and they're happy with, with what I'm delivering and I get some email back and people say, hey, it's great. How did you do this? Or what effect did you use here? And hey, please do more of this. And this is kind of my gratification now, to be yeah. really honest. Like positive feedback, but also the... The criticism and like, hey, can we have more of this? Or would you be able to do this and this? I think this is kind of the gratification. Like seeing that people love what we do and and, 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 and I truly believe in that concept of creating fans, not customers. You know, that's kind of like the thing which gives me gratification. It's funny. It's, it's, you, I think you hit the nail on the head then. You're absolutely right. You must create fans, don't you? Because um, 
customers will come and go, but fans will stick around for uh, thick and thin. Yeah, and I think the feedback is really valuable. Dude. Like a lot of people, and I, I learned this the hard way, right? Because when you work in a radio station, your PD comes down and it's like, like 10 Friday evening, uh, evening and he wants to do a change. I mean, so obviously you're like, you're not in the best mood and you're going to hate that person for now. Maybe if you go home, you understood or you have the same opinion, but the, the way there, it's going to be difficult, especially you know, like for creative people, right? To get like negative feedback. But like doing this for so many years now, for so many different people in different formats, different cultures, different countries, I think you've got to like, like you, you kind of crave for negative feedback because you understand that this is going to only make you better. So, um, and this is like what I learned like the hard way at the beginning, because obviously like when you work at a station and the PD likes you, like you get just great feedback, right? When you start doing a library and like it pops up in Australia, Philippines, United States, Germany, it's going to be people saying, hey, we don't play that song. Why is this song in music montage? And hey, I don't like the vocoder because we don't do this at our station here. I like, and I think you, this is kind of like, like I said, part of the gratification too and how you build fans that you really try to, to serve and super serve like every individual, no matter like how big the station, what market it is in, what country is even, right? Mm. Like, and I think that's been like part of like why Benson has been so successful over the course of the years because when we started the company, like Dave's and my creator was always like, put the customer first in the center of everything we do, right? Like we wanted to create fans because there was libraries out there when we started. It's not that we came with something totally new to the market and like everybody was waiting on the great new product, right? Like uh, it was, I think that we took good care and, and really try to, to take the feedback and change things and change the side and make it a great user experience, but also like try to create the best product out there for every, every country, every market we work in. That's really interesting being uh, someone who's a, a voice as opposed to uh, someone who produces uh, the audio. The thing I find is that most of the time I hear anything I've ever done, I, can just, I just pick holes in every single thing. Uh, and, the, and the problem is when, you, when you're the voice, you're actually, you don't have the ultimate power when it comes to the session. You, you follow direction from somebody else. That, that's what I find more difficult being on this side of the glass. Yeah, but I think, I, I think we all do that. I mean, I still do that. Shit, I've been doing this for, what, coming up on 35 years and I still listen to work and go that I've done and go, fuck, if I had my time over again, I, I wouldn't do that or I, I would change that or I would do that. And I think the day you stop caring about that is the day you should probably give it away. True. Yeah, and I think also, like, on, on the voiceover side of things, guys, it's also, in my opinion, depending, like, um, there's voiceovers, they're super versatile and super variable and they can deliver different things. But there's also this like typical brand voice who just does brand voices. And it's also cool, right? I mean, I feel it's, of course, you're important. Everyone wants to be important. The voiceover guy, the imaging guy. At the end of the day, I mean, we fulfill a purpose here, right? Like the imaging fulfills the purpose to make the station known, to brand the station, to make it accessible for the, for the listeners slash users these days, to, to give it a specific voice. To make it a brand, right? Like to, to basically create that cinema in the head for the PD, for the owners, for the listeners. Like we're like a tool to them too. And I think the same way goes for the voiceover talent. But there is nothing wrong to put some personality and some like own swag ideas and creativity in there, right? Mm, I think, uh, mm. but at the end of the day, we, and that's how I address it, right? 
Hmm. I feel like I'm not that important, so I know everything. I feel like, okay, somebody like is a paying client and he has like a certain vision, even if I don't go 100% with that vision, I totally respect that 100% because it's at the end of the day, is a client who knows his brand and his his station and, and his his thing the best, you know? It's not me looking onto that for like half an hour knowing that better than somebody working in that market and working with that station for 20 years. I think I can give my opinion and I think I have the experience to give my opinion by the end of the day. I think it's really important that the customer goes out and, and feels like, great about the product and the listeners feel good about it and, and, and you kind of a tool too. I mean, at certain end, the imaging guy is a tool too like the voiceover guy. That's right. Absolutely. And I think I think you sort of nailed it in there. I think, you know, for me, uh, it was either Dave Fox or, or Dan O'Day who said this, but they said, you know, basically our job as an imaging guy or an imaging voice is to give the listener a reason as to why they should care about what their radio station is and what it's doing. Exactly. And I think there's a lot of components to that as well, right? Because we just see like our small part, which is not a small part, but it's an integral part, but still a small part of a radio station, right? You can have the greatest image in the world if your morning show and sorry, my language sucks. I mean, it's not good that you're going to be market leader just with great imaging. Mm. I mean, it's just, and there's a lot of components play into that, right? I mean, and I think the imaging is a big part, it's integral, and you do have a great voice, you need to have good imaging, and you need to transport the messages like perfectly, and like you said, people should take care. But at the end of the day, it's like a lot of components in a radio station, like in every product. But there's the, there's the irony in and, in and of itself, is that you know the imaging producer probably spends more time on air per hour than anybody else on the radio station. 100%. <laughs> yeah, that's my strap line. You know, that's my strap line. If I explain like what I do, that's my strap line. I say, okay, calculate the time of Jock will have, if I have it say, and then, then calculate my time slash the voiceover's time. Yeah. And then you will understand like what is really significant as well to the radio station. Indeed. Well, I should put my rates up based on that. Absolutely. <laughs> Jesus. You're getting paid about 10 times more per hour than what Andy and I are. So if anyone should be complaining, it's even me. <laughs> yeah, big <laughs> That's yeah. how we all the voice now, I mean, I think it's um, it's uh, for everyone involved. Um, it's the same thing, right? If, if I think great voiceover talents still get paid good money, and for up and comers, it's like more difficult, but also on one end financially more difficult, but easier than ever. Then put yourself out there, right? Because with the internet and with like the willing to work hard and, and work on your voice and train, I think it's still a big possibility. Because I basically find new voiceover people like almost every other week. Right, because we get like submissions from so many people who want to be on our roster, and there's like impressive people there for their age, and really people you would have overlooked a few years ago because there was just no way that they could contact you besides like sending you a CD you never listened to. Mm. Yeah, you know? that's right. Yes, yeah, right. drink coaster, yeah, coffee coaster. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. Oh, got a new coffee coaster, guys. Yeah, yeah. But it, do you find a lot of the uh, home studios vary dramatically? Yeah, dramatically is like I think is a nice word to say it. <laughs> um, um, I mean, I just can tell, I mean, it's very difficult for me because I'm not a voiceover guy. I've never done voiceover, so it's, I don't want to be judgmental. But if the, it, I, I phrase it that way. Like, and I can t- just tell that from me being like an imaging guy, right? Well, let's use sports analogy. If you're like, a, if you want to be a world-class soccer player, you need to have more than a jersey, right? You need shoes as well. You need to maybe have a trainer, a nutrition specialist. I mean, look at Cristiano Ronaldo. Like, the guy does everything ever possible to give the best performance, right? And I think everyone in a professional job should do the best ever 
to give the best performance. And I think this counts for voiceover people as well. If I want to be on that Mercedes commercial or that BMW commercial nationwide TV, I might consider getting my setup together. You know, get like a good microphone, nice preamp, or rent a studio for that. That's also a possibility. You don't have to invest millions to make that possible. I mean, a lot of things is provided for free on the internet. There's a lot of research. Um, you can build that pretty inexpensive. If you want to have friends can help you out. And of course, gear got like more cheaper than ever to get great gear. You know, best bang for the buck is like far more possible these days than like a few, few years ago. So, yeah, I feel they vary dramatically, and I wish, if I be a voiceover talent, i try to have, like, the best possible um, equipment and, 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 and uh, home, home recording situation. Okay, talking of uh, the best, best equipment, what do you feel is the best mic and preamp combination? It's really tough to say because I think it varies with every voice, you know. I mean, it's hard to say. I'm a big fan I personally a big fan of the Manly Voxbox as a preamp, but this is not working with everyone, right? I mean, depends. I mean, it's. I think there's a lot of like onboard solutions these days with UAD plugins and other stuff. You could do the. You could almost do the same, not the same, and we know that, but you could almost do the same. So it's not that expensive to get a great sound if you know what you're doing or you're willing to spend some time with somebody who can show you what you should do. I, I mean, I spoke along with Harry, uh, who I mentioned at the start about this, and I know that Harry's setup is like a Voxbox, Medley Voxbox, and a shotgun microphone. I think still is. That's the thing. I mean, the shotgun might not work perfectly with everyone. I mean, there's a great, there's such a great variety of microphones out there. I mean, if, if you see like um, like a U47, it's, it's a fantastic microphone. And it's worth 20 grand, but you can't tell it's going to work perfectly with every voice. True. Because as we know, there's been artists like Michael Jackson who had recorded with a dynamic microphone, mm-hmm. right? With a Sennheiser Life microphone, right? Yeah. Whatever fits your voice and, and your style, I think it's perfect. But you should consider thinking about this if you want to be a professional voiceover talent. Yeah. Well, I love the story yeah. of Bono and the um, the SM and SM58, which recently. Yeah, in- that's, a, that's the one I meant. Sorry. The sure, exactly. That's the yeah. one Michael Jackson. That's the one, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bizarre, but there you go. Yeah, but also it's Michael Jackson, right? So he can sing like whatever, like doesn't matter. Like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he could sing I the mean, alphabet and it'd sound good, yeah. I mean, that voiceover thing is really, for me sometimes, is is really challenging though. As a producer and Robo can tell, I mean, he can relate to that. Um, I, tr- I tell the people, man, just also send like unprocessed files. Yes, please. Because I think it's a great combination. There's people out there like Jeff Berlin Fantastic voiceover guy, fantastic producer. Like if he's going to send you process files, you're going to be happy with it because he knows what he's doing. But also there's a lot of voiceover talents who just do something, right? Because it's me trying to be like a voiceover guy. It's not going to work out. It's not going to work. And that's the same for a producer. If you're a voiceover guy, you're not a producer. You're a voiceover guy. So I feel like the best way to go is to offer like unprocessed files if you're not 100% sure about your chain. And what you, how you record, I think the best way is also to send like unprocessed files and have the, have the producer do whatever he thinks is best. Yeah, well, I think George was saying um, when he sets up studios, he sets up two chains. So he sets up a chain that records, am I right in saying this, AP? He records a chain, he sets up a chain that records just uh, vocal uh, straight off the mic, but then he also sets up another, a split off that that then adds compression and EQ that he sets up for them. So basically they're recording two files. 
one processed, one unprocessed. So Perfect. the guys that George sets up studios for can offer both. That are all. So George knows what he's doing for sure. <laughs> George is on top <laughs> yeah. of it. He's on top of yeah. the game. So, uh, so while we're talking about toys, then, uh, what's your weapon of choice? Do you go to Logic, Pro Tools? Like I'm a Pro Tools guy through and through. Like I tried a lot of different things, but I still come back to Pro Tools. So, yeah. I mean, for editing, I think it's still the best out there. For composing, it is maybe the best for me, but it's not the best out there. So, there's a, a wonderful uh, program called Studio One from Prisonos. Most of the guys I work with do music, they use that. Um, basically, it has the best features. That's what they claim. So I'm not 100% sure it's the truth, but I've seen it. I'm pretty impressed. Um, it has like the best features from Logic and from, from Pro Tools, from, from Cubase. It's a fantastic program. So Is that true? One, okay. Is, um, I mean, Ollie's using it heavily. Um, two of my other guys are using it. But I think you can do like, in, you can do great things in every DAW, depending if you are down to do great things, you know? I mean, there's a lot of people using Ableton that it works perfectly for them, right? I mean, yeah. look at all the electronic music. It's done in Ableton on a laptop. I mean, number one hits, Skrillex and these guys write their stuff on a laptop with it, with uh, Ableton Live. So, I mean, I think these days it gives you a lot of options and you should not be married to the one or the other. I think the creativity and, and to know what you're doing, no matter what type of DAW you're using is key too. So I'm probably opening a can of worms here given um, Andy's Fiverr Friday, which for those who are unaccustomed to the Benstown blog is Andy's little Friday afternoon imaging tips and tools. But um, what's your go-to plugin? What's, what's the one you probably, if you opened up any of Andy's sessions, would probably be in most sessions? Besides a metering plugin, can I say? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. The problem is like, I don't really have like one go-to. I mean, I use a lot of different things all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, uh, I mean, I, I would name like one of each, right? Because I mean, you need different things. You know, um, depending on the project, I'm a big fan like of uh, the Fat Filter stuff. I think the, the, the Pro-Q, like the... The EQ is fantastic. On the compressor side, it's really difficult because it depends on what you're doing. I love all the UAD stuff. I think the emulations are really good. And I know a lot of the original gear, so I think the UAD stuff, a lot of the stuff is really, really, really good. Um, I'm a big fan of like all the isotope stuff. Like I use Ozone frequently, um, the new vocal synth. If I do something with vocals, I uh, highly recommend. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff out there. But I also tend to, to use like a lot of old wave plugins like still. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's um, and you know that. I mean, it's depending on what you do, there's different weapons of choice. But um, yeah. It's funny. I've just, um, I've just gone back. I was, I installed Pro Tools 12 just recently, which is probably makes me behind the times, but I'm one of those people that believe if it's working, don't fuck with it. But um, <laughs> finally finally bit the bullet and upgraded to, um, to Pro Tools 12 and was sort of set, setting up new templates and all that sort of stuff. And I, I mucked around with my mastering chain and I threw in just this morning, actually, I threw in the old Bomb Factory BF76 and it's yeah. something that's, Cheap and nasty. I got to tell you, if you hit it just right and get it just hitting that sweet spot that it obviously has, it actually sounds quite nice. And, I, and it's actually inspired me now to go back to some of those older, sort of cheaper plugins and go, right, well, what can I suck out of you now? 
Yeah, and I also think depending like what we're going to do, everything's going to be so compressed. So at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal, right? Yeah. Like if you do music and if you do music and if you do like vocal recordings, big sessions like for jingles or then it makes sense because the channel is going to add up and it's going to be a significant difference if you use like an EQ or an SSL EQ on every channel. It mm. makes a difference. I mean, you'll hear the difference. Yeah. And if it's outboard, more. I mean, every everybody who has heard like a SSL like console, like an outboard, and like people are going to tell you, no, it's not a big difference if you use an emulation. Like everybody who has heard the difference in person will tell you there is a difference. The question is if the difference is worth 150 grand. You know, that's that's always the question. And like how music music is consumed these days with MP3, like back quality, uh, Spotify streaming, you know, Pandora, whatever. I mean, the question is always does it make sense if you're not an audiophile to spend all that money on that sophisticated, super complex uh, stuff, right? And for the imaging, especially in my opinion, as it's gonna be like so over compressed at the end and then you'll have like the on-air change, it's gonna compress it again. Um, I think the question we'll need to ask ourselves, like are we effective? Do we do the right thing? You know, Is that really making a difference or not? And sometimes it's fine to just play around and have fun like you did with the GPF 56. I do this uh, with a lot of old stuff too, you know. And I think also some of the onboard plugins coming with Pro Tools, like some of the Air stuff, is, is pretty fascinating to see yeah. what you can do on Absolutely. So listen, uh, respectful of your time, but I've, I've, I've got to hit you up with one small thing. And I've got to start out with a question though. And the question is... Um, do you your Benstown man in his little spacesuit? Do you have a do you have a patent on that? Yep, that's the trademark logo, I think. Because because I think we need to have a chat because the um the Pro Audio Suite <laughs> podcast has come up with a um something that we believe is truly new and innovative. It's actually it's called the the voiceover suit. So rather than build a room, you pop down to your local tailor or to your local sort of you know, fashionable clothing outlet, and you pick up this this suit, which is basically like insulated and and soundproofed, and you you put your microphone inside the helmet, and you can record <laughs> anywhere. You could you could be in the middle of the freeway and and get yes, a phone call. Absolutely. I need this voiceover right now. Not a problem. The voiceover suits in the back. We'll <laughs> I'll, I'll just stop and I'll put it on and I'll read you read and I'll send it to you. So we were just wondering whether it's worth us having a conversation with you because when we were discussing what it looked like, the first place I went was your logo. (laughs) So I'm wondering whether we should have a chat about some royalties here or something. Yeah, I I think we'll we'll figure out a way, I'm pretty sure. I I was thinking the look of the voiceover suit was more like a cross between uh, Elvis Presley, the latter Elvis Presley with the cape and the high collar (laughs) and a space suit. Somewhere, somewhere in the middle of that, I think would work really, really well. I mean, that's like a real revolution, you know. That's like gonna, that's a game changer, you know. It's far away from like. <laughs> See, are we think is a what? That's a game changer. That's a. I'd love to see it, man. You have like a prototype or anything? Like, no, I think I've got to make some sketches though, because the more we talk about it, someone's <laughs> bound to steal the idea before we get to it. <laughs> we'll, we'll probably yeah, turn mean, up at Nam next year, and it will I be mean, there. Someone will turn. <laughs> You know, if you go to the Benstown branding page and you click like on the individual formats, then you see that we basically have, I mean, we have the uh, the spaceman as a real costume, right? Yeah. So yep. we have the, on venues, like there's people like walking or like, it has to be like small girls most of the time because it's not that tall. But uh, it's just, <laughs> I mean, of course it's LA, so like they know how to build like costumes and, and requisites and stuff there. But um, we got that as a, 
as a real costume and like the um, the effect is fantastic. A pretty simple thing here again, talking coming back to your marketing thing from the start, right? I mean, it's nothing different than like a football team or like a baseball team mm. having a guy in a costume running around. People still like that stuff, so I bet they they love your voiceover suit. Absolutely. We better stop talking about this voiceover suit. I, I know. Yeah, I right. we should hush, right? <laughs> so, the difference is you need like so many different sizes because we just like uh, have that one girl running around with that Gary suit all the time or that Ben's tall and spaceman suit. But you'll have so many different voices, uh, different sizes, you know, for that voiceover suit. That's it. Exactly. Well, you know, that's that, I think that's the genius of this is, you know, once, you know, we just make it one size fits all, you know, so somehow it stretches. <laughs> So, you know, everyone can get their own voiceover suit. It sounds suit. like a really expensive product design here, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking, you remember the... Uh, do you remember the Beatles microphones they used, the, 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 the ones on a, like basically on a stick? So it yeah. was the bottle with the long stick and the, and the ball on the end. You, do you yeah. remember those microphones, yeah, yeah. Andy? Yeah. Well, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of thinking if you wanted to have that kind of microphone, your voiceover suit would look more like Big Bird from Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we've got to come up with a custom mic that fits inside somehow. Yeah. So, so um, you so that, like what? What microphone do you mean now from the Beatles? Like, I'm, I'm getting interested. So because I'm, I, I know that they used like a um, in Abbey Road, they used like a U47 like that, like U47 microphones in Abbey Road. But do you mean the live microphones? Yeah, they used. Uh, you'll see it on the. Uh, uh, all you need is love. The live satellite. Uh, it's an AK, I think it's an AKG. I think. I think it's, it's the, the AKG. And I think it's the KM84. But I, they uh, also use the AKG202. I'm, I'm looking it up right now because I'm getting really interested. I love microphones. Uh, getting like really <laughs> Jesus, don't leave you and AP alone in a room together. Then we'll never see you again. Yeah, I know a guy in that. What are you was, using for you? Oh, don't start him. Don't okay, start well, him. Will, Seriously, no, we'll be you here all night. <laughs> Come on, you will love this. It's it's uh, in your territory. I'm using uh, a Microtech Gefell. 92.1 S. That's a nice one. Have you ever, with your voice, because, I mean, you got, like, really good pipes, have you ever tried, like, one of the, I mean, of course, people don't like that because they need to, like, uh, do whatever with their voice, but have you ever tried, like, the U47 or one of these older, iconic, like, tube microphones, like the original ones? Like, I know it's a massive investment, but, I mean, I see your voice, like, I mean, that's, like... The only the only problem is when you get uh, when you go into vintage mics is it's just the upkeep you, you just don't you know that that's the problem with buying something like that I mean I've I've used I've used a classic eighty sevens like forty uh, late sixties early seventies eighty sevens I've used U forty sevens but not necessarily that old um, but I kind of like this the thing about this uh, this microphone it's got the um, it has the M seven capsule. Uh, okay. So it's basically it's a UM57. It's an updated version of a UM57, and uh, I just think it's for for what it is. It's a fantastic microphone. I mean, admittedly, they're not that cheap, but they're certainly cheaper than a uh, U47. Yeah, sounds about right, though. I mean, I bet you got your setup together. Yeah, it's good, and it was funny actually because yesterday I was doing a session. You were talking about working in the box and using UA uh, stuff. I was working in a studio, and the guy actually turned up with his laptop. And on his laptop, he was, had his Apollo and he had um, 1073 uh, in, on his laptop, the universal audio version. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and I'm sitting here with the real one, of course, the outboard uh, 1073, but um, it sounded really, it sounded pretty good. Yeah, it 
it's it's fantastic. I I, I mean, the more and more um, I dig into the outports stuff, the more I kind of like it. It's just at the end of the day, it's a question of like for what we do. I mean, if you do straight music, makes sense, but also you're never going to get it back. Right. And that's really, I don't want to like extend, I mean, now we're getting like really the techie stuff, but if you think about that, you can get like a track mastered, like in a really great mastering studio for like 150, 200 bucks, you know, never going to make the investment of 150, 200 grand back you put in like in terms of gear. So that's just, I think these days, these days problem with all that stuff, because whenever I look into like, big mixing desk or like a great another outboard thing i'm like okay this is like whatever 20 grand do i really need this is like five grand do i really need this no it'd be just nice to play around with it but do i really need it no i mean look i'm 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 a i'm a sucker for buying stuff and i you know i'm freely admit that uh, except to my wife of course um but uh so i've got you know for for what i do stupid amounts of stuff here so i Dude, um, just put you in but, the picture andy there's not meant there's not there's only there's usually one or two days a week where an audio file lands in my email inbox and it's ap going hey i've just tried this mic with this pre have a listen see what you think <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like the opportunities are endless i totally get that i mean yeah. Uh, look, it's I, I I love it, and I, the trouble is that you do. I shouldn't do it, but I can't help it. I get something set up, and it's working. Everyone, goes, yeah, that's great. That sounds great. And then of course I go, no, I wonder what it would sound like if I did this. And then all of a sudden, I, it's it's like a rabbit hole, and I'm down the rabbit hole, patching things in, and going, oh yeah, but I reckon this sounds even better, you know. But again, you know, so, it's like we said before, mate. It shows you care, and that's what matters. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a good that's a good takeaway from the entire thing. Like, yeah, as long as you care, as long as people care. So uh, to wrap things up, mate, where do uh, where does people find you or Benstown if they want to know more about what uh, what you guys have to offer? Where where can, where do they go? What do they do? I mean, the easiest way I think to find Benstown is if you just uh, go to go to Benstown.com or BenstownBranding.com, which then would be the library site. Um, uh, you could also, if you like, uh, want to get in touch, you can find me under in fa- in fa- on Facebook under my real name. You find me on Instagram under my real name and um, on Twitter, but I don't like to be really honest. I don't use Twitter that much. It's just overwhelming for me, like all this uh, information. It's hard for me to process. So I think the easiest way, or, or um, you contact me over the Benstown blog. Um, there's like a contact formula, so if you drop a note, it's gonna end up somewhere, or or I read it. That's well, I can highly I recommend the uh, what is it? It's Andy's Fiverr Friday. Is that right? Am I getting that right? Yeah, I mean, it's, the Benson blog in general has a lot of resources about yeah. like radio, radio imaging, uh, but a lot of also about production, audio production, yeah. imaging production, plugin reviews. There's a lot of stuff on there. It's a go-to for me. I still, it's this as soon as it really? hits my inbox every week, I still love to open it up because you've. You're finding some great stuff out there. That's awesome, man. Because sometimes I'm getting like, oh, is anybody reading this? Should I stop this? Because, of course, it's a commitment and it's time, but I still like doing it. And um, this week I'm going to do like some layering, plug-in layering thing. I think I'm going to release it this afternoon. So if you want to check it out, it's kind of like the three plugins I use for layering the most right now. So it's kind of like, uh, it's a very personal thing, right? I mean, it's not that I, I'm i going to go there and tell people how to do things. It's just me and uh, playing around with stuff and give my opinion. 
Well, I think it's what we were just talking about with plugins too, though. It's sort of like, you know, it's taking that and going, yeah, that sounds great, but how do I make it work for me? And let's start there, but see what works for me from 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 that start point. You know, it's just getting new ideas out there. And I think that's great. Totally. Well, dude, thanks so much for your time. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be like in a, in a row with all these great people that you have on uh, head on like uh, the last 56 episodes, right? It's yeah. pretty impressive. <laughs> <Yes>. Well, <laughs> you know. For- I, uh, as an old imaging imaging dude, a couple of my clients use Benstown and hopefully there'll be one more in the not too distant future that we've been talking about. So um, I can, uh, as a user, I can highly recommend your product. Appreciate that. I mean, uh, whatever, whoever likes, whatever, whatever you shout and wants like a tour or like we're always, always there and um, always happy like to, to show people around and, and feel out if there's a way that we can create some magic together. Well, the next time I get to Stuttgart, I'm going to uh, knock on your door, ring on your bell, and maybe <laughs> tap on your window too. And, and have Robo sent me your voiceover demo. I think uh, we could definitely like uh, utilize this here and there. So I love I think the like a of job that. offer while you're on an interview, AP. <laughs> <laughs> and it's gone live, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you heard it first. Big, though, right? I mean, I bet he does it like every week. Oh, who's that guy with that voice? Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> No, that's right. So it's like, you know, especially me, it's Jesus is that 40-year-old fucking imaging guy again. He's hassling us for work. <laughs> 40-year-old? Yeah. I'm still 40. I'm still in my 40s. Thank you very much. Got another year to go yet. On that bombshell, we should bail out and get back to the other boys. 100%. So there you go. That's Andreas from Benstown. And what a business He's built. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. I tell you yeah. what, he's doing well, isn't he? He's uh, just for, for those for those of you who didn't pick it up in the episode. Benstown pretty much do. I think they've got nine um, sound effects libraries for radio promos. They have just picked up uh, all of Rick D's program production. So anything that Rick D's entertainment puts out is now produced by Benstown. Uh, they also do uh, a custom radio imaging for radio stations, uh, and. Oh, they also have me on their books. Just I'll throw that <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, well, you'll also find Andrew are. Peters on their voiceover. <laughs> that's that's the other thing I was trying to think of. They also have uh, radio imaging voices. So, um, so, the, so they've really got a uh, sort of uh, a machine there going. I guess it yeah. sounds like. Yeah, they're um, they're huge. I actually did work for them for a little while. Um, a while back, about five or six years ago, they were using people all around the world to do the production for their custom imaging. Um, and they were outsourcing that. So for a while I was doing a station in Buffalo, New York and a couple of others for Benstown. But then they, um, as, they as they got bigger, obviously, and, and um, financially it made more sense, they took it all back in-house. But um, yeah, a behemoth of a machine. You should be living in Stuttgart. I should be. So they're, yeah. so they're, they're arranging for the voice. They're even possibly doing the copy. They're doing all the mixing and yeah. the delivery. They can do. And then you lined it up. Or you want. Yeah, they can pretty much do as much or as little as you want in terms of imaging your radio station. So I think it's a really clever model. And it's also, wow. as he mentioned, you know, it's all done on the barter system, which... Yeah. Now, listen, before we got rolling on this episode, uh, Robert, you and I were having a bit of a chat about presets on plugins. And I was saying that there's only one preset that I can think of that comes with a plugin that I use. And that would be uh, on the Waves H compressor. They've got a really nice parallel... Uh, compression setting that I like to use on, funnily enough, my parallel sure. voice bus. Um, I I use I use um. It's funny because most of the plugins that I use have this preset. It's a good one. It's called Factory Default. Okay. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Sorry, it took a second. It's like my brain's not working. It took a second for that to register, yeah. but I'm with you now. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Factory well, factory preset. But I think what you and I were chatting about was more, you know, because they, they have their built-in library of stingers and swishes and all that stuff. Mm. But a lot of the, the um, effects need to be brought in with various delay and pitch things. And, yeah. And I was saying, like, how much of that is preset work and how much of that is, uh, you know. I guess, look, for me, I, if, like, the, the reason I've been so busy this week is one of the stations in Singapore that I image, hello to everyone at 1FM, have changed voice, uh, station voices, as well as their branding and all the rest of it. So everything had to change. So I guess to, to, to answer your question the long way around, obviously for what let's call straight voice, which is just voiceover in the promo, I find, you know, I find my EQ, my compression and any sort of little reverbs and stuff that I, or um, delays that I put on that to juice it up for radio um, and save all that. But then I also go and find, because I'm, I believe in consistency of sound, that telephone EQ sound that's classic on radio, which is probably never as easy as it sounds because it's not only is it a, an EQ curve, it's a, a whole bunch of other shit phasing and, you know, modulation and all that stuff thrown in there. Um, I find that sound that I'm going to use for the life of that that voice on the station, and um, and that's where I use my presets. I'll sort of all that stuff, all those reverbs and EQs and modulations, and almost the EQ curve. Although that usually needs to get adjusted each time, but all that stuff I'll save as a preset. So when I come to each session and I'm sticking it on the bus, um, I will um, I'll I'll just turn them on and off then in, with using the presets. And and this kind of brings up you know another thing, which is like. Part of the preset is the exact setting, but another thing about the preset is more like the setup. And and we're seeing this in a lot of, you know, the, the plugins that come out where it's uh, everything. I mean, I'll, I'll use the Waves line as, as an example, but they even have the one knob series, which is like, well, there's just a whole preset mm. with one control. Mm. Or you have their other, you know, signature series where they have, you know, some producer and they have... Uh, their their vocal channel, for example, uh, Chris and Lord so, Algae has a vocal, right. has a whole bunch and mix and vocal and guitar and bass right. and all that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think Sheps as well, yep. probably. But those are all like entire setups with routing and aux ends. And I do this type of delay, and then I also have that type of delay, and then behind that, I have like a octave down thing or who knows what it is. And it's it's a preset, not so much in, um, it's a pre-setup not so much a preset, but mm. a structure. Like mm. an entire Pro Tools session with all the routing and all the fixings. It is. Yeah. Is that it's, what you mean? It's something that you would normally set up with a bunch of aux sends and returns. Yeah. And now it's all jammed into one plugin. Yeah. I've been and, doing that um, for podcasts. How, how much of that is? Yeah. yeah. Well, see, I go, that, I go that way with everything I do, um, especially my imaging. Like now for 1FM, every time I start a new project, in Pro Tools, I've created a template. So I open that up, all my routing, all the plugins that I use are sitting there, but bypassed, you know, even down to my master compression and all that sort of stuff. It's all sitting there, bypassed, ready to go so that, you know, it's just makes life easy. It's just sticking the voice, do a bit of gain staging, and then from there start building the promo. So um, rather than so having it sounds to think like about- you're, It sounds like you're working more from discrete plugins and I need a, a delay. Yeah. Boom, I put a delay on there. Yeah. I want to have that delay go, yo, 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 yo. Well, I put a- pitch processor on that yeah. and you and you kind of create your your structures yourself within your workstation that's right compared to relying on these various types of plugins which are sort of set in their structure but you don't have to 
go through either that creative process or that work, yeah. whichever you want to consider. Yeah, I, I still I get use to that those. point. I still use those. I still use like I, we were just talking before the show. I got I bought myself just out of interest. I bought one knob brighter and one knob fatter. I think, um, and I just threw them on my voice chain during the week just to have a listen and see see how it went. And um, you know, it's surprising. I mean, you know, I probably wouldn't use it as my only sort of processing, but I, I guess for someone who's sort of starting out and, you know, or maybe in podcasting or whatever and sort of trying to get their head around the whole process, I certainly think they have their place. Yeah. I, I actually think that some of them have their place in the sense that, um, you know, I, I'd even be surprised if, or I wouldn't be surprised if, for instance, there was a, a producer who has his own signature series and he's using some other producer's signature series plugins. Yeah, even though yeah, they all true. they all could very well make it themselves, but they're like, "Oh, hey, what's this? Oh, I'll yeah, I'll play, play with that. that." Yeah, look, but yeah. that's audio, though, isn't it? I mean, I can't think the last time that I went into a session, you know, or something new, and didn't play with something. You know, if you if you're not constantly reinventing the way you work and trying new things, then you sort of fall behind. I think absolutely. Um, but at the same time, you you also are getting put into these ruts because, well, now now you've got so-and-so's structure. Mm. You know, of course, there's infinite ways to combine all these things. Um, but I was just curious, especially because in the imaging, you know, to bring it back to the radio imaging thing, I think a lot of those things would be great just from the sense of you just went through this marathon week and how much does some of that speed up your work? Oh, there's totally. That, Have that, that whole right. template, Pro Tools template thing, you know, takes away a whole bunch of thinking because then I can move my thinking from what's my telephone voice in inverted commas going to sound like, you know, what's my delay going to sound like, all that sort of stuff. I don't have to think about that anymore. I can then think about the creative process of how am I going to make this music edit? What am I going to do here? What am I going to do there? And I don't have to think about that final mixing. Is that template worth? How much is the Robo imaging Pro Tools template worth? Would you, well, sell it's for every, Would you sell it for 500 Would you sell it for 1000 It's on sale this week for $29. Well, I guess <laughs> if, you wanted, if you wanted to put a price on it for my clients, I mean, it probably saves me an hour for every project that I work on because, you know, by the time you averaged it out about uh, across the amount of projects that I'll now work on using this voice for 1FM, it would probably be, yeah, or maybe, you know, half an hour per session or something like that. So does it, does it save you even more time if, for example... In your Pro Tools template, you've got separate aux sends and delays and reverbs, and those are all different faders. And now you have the option possibly to put in the Robo Radio Magic 2000 plugin. <laughs> and now it's all in like all your automations on one channel. Yeah. It's all on one bypass. Like all of a sudden that setup and even the work of that setup becomes more consolidated. Yeah. Beyond just if you want that set up, you just drag the plugin over. You could certainly do that with my voice stuff because there's, you know, like if I'm just, if I think about what I did during the week with um, Elias, who's the male voice of this thing, there's, uh, if you look at the the bussing for just for his main voiceover part, there's a main voiceover, which has got EQ, compression, all the usual stuff on there. Then there's a parallel bus that has just a shitload of compression um, Mm-hmm. And Crush. actually, funnily enough, talking about the one knob stuff, I found this really great effect that I, on, on that parallel bus, I used one knob wetter and put a little bit of that reverb on it, but then compressed the, then stuck another compressor after that 
and it gives this funny little effect that just you, you would probably wouldn't even know it was there unless you listened really closely. So it's like crushed reverb. Yeah, yeah. It sounds it, huh. it's bizarre. Anyway, that's but that's that bus. And then there's three buses that have other effects. That um, one of them has like four plugins on just the one bus, which goes. Uh, I think it goes yeah. to an EQ, to some modulation, then compress, and then a tiny bit more EQ after that. But there's three buses of effects that just and again you don't hear them working until you take them out. It's not like in your face sort of stuff, but it just gives that radio sound, I guess, that everyone sort well, of goes looking for. You know, for. it's the thing is like that saves your client some time because you have the template. But imagine mm. what it would do for a new producer to have your template to start oh, out totally their day. Can you imagine yeah. what yeah. that is worth to that producer? You know, that's when they're yeah. selling things like a template become interesting. This, th mm. this new genre of plugins, because it's like every plugin, you know, a couple of years back, it was like, oh, we've got emulated compressors and emulated EQs. And that's a little bit played out and there's still more emulated plugins coming out. But essentially what's left, I mean, someone's going to literally come out with an emulated Radio Shack EQ, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, but the, the new genre is starting to, I think, be these structured plugins, so to speak. Yeah. Here's your mastering setup. That's Here's right. your isotope, setup. isotope Nectar, yeah. for example, has Nectar. like eight yeah. or nine different plugin processors that you can resequence in any order you want, but individually yeah. bypass them. And it's loaded with presets. It's yeah. pretty dang mind-boggling what Nectar does. I've been playing around with it well, more and more I, for clients because, you know, if they don't have a lot of plugins, they buy one plugin and now they have every tool a voice actor ever would need in one plugin and I can create a preset mm -hmm. for them, send it to them, and boom, they've got the sound they need. I, I think that's that's interesting. And, and, and I wonder, I guess, uh, or watch out, Darren. You, <laughs> you, Robo, you should... Uh, you should make the Robo, what, did I call it the Radio Magic 2000? <laughs> yeah, the, I, I like the Radio Shack 2000. I can go with that. <laughs> <laughs> the Robo Radio Shack. Robo's Radio Shack 2000. <laughs> hey, or the, how about the Voodoo You Do? The Voodoo You Do. There you go. Very nice. Or you Do. Hey, hey uh, George, just you were talking about Isotope. I, I downloaded during the week, um, Eventide have come out with their own sort of version of what you were talking about. They've got, um, I'm just looking at it now in my audio suite. It's called Newfangled Elevate and Newfangled Punctuate, which is designed uh, to go across your mix bus. Um, I actually haven't had a chance to throw it across anything yet, but um, next week when things slow down, that's on my list of things to do is to open it up and have a bit of a play with it. But yeah, even tired of throwing their hat in that ring as well. Hey, wow. hey Robo, let me ask you a quick question. When you deliver the, uh, the radio... Are you delivering it crushed like a yeah. music CD, just like, yeah. you know, like no headroom? Yeah. Uh, no. I, I, no I, I squash the living shit out of voice and all that sort of stuff, obviously, because you, you really want to get that fat sort of sitting on top of everything sort of sound. But um, my final mix, I really don't go that hard. I go, uh, what's my path at the moment? Um, I've been going through the... Uh, H compressor. Well, you don't use a VU. Like, like I'm sure at the very end you got some sort of averaging type. I just use a VU. I just, I'm meter. just running the Doro meters, and I spit it. Okay. I just, I just, my the final plug-in in my chain is a, a, a limiter at minus three, and and that's and, how it goes and out. do you feel like like your average 
Like, like, what's what's the what's your, um, what's oh, the, the average should be up there. Average the average would probably be minus fifteen, maybe. Okay, up there. Yeah, so pretty, reasonably loud. Yeah, it's not too extreme. Yeah, and then you I don't, think yeah, about the like fact say, that you're I producing you're, you're producing something that's going to go out through more processing, right? That's so this is going exactly on the, radio. the reason I don't. This do is it. going out it's through absolutely. an Orban thirty-one band multi-band processor, and yeah, it's being yeah the Optimod, and it's being squeezed. Every single frequency band is being squeezed with an inch of its life. And so it's going to be even more heavily processed and limited. So if you do that on the front end, there's not going to be anything left. It's going to sound pretty. That's right. So it's just going to be a big mess. Don't overdo it. I would would argue that that's not necessarily true because all the music CDs are coming out squeezed and compressed and killed. Mm. And usually the idea was that if you do it before that Orban does it, and the Orban has nothing left to do because it's already on. yeah true it's it's already at its peak and so you're yep. you're doing your own damage yeah at least you can kind of control your own damage yeah hmm, interesting sort of. point well, for me yeah. I guess the proof's in the pudding I mean the, for me the nice thing is that because you know I'm constantly working for these stations is that I can you know especially these days you know with internet radio I can f- flick on you know um, a radio app and listen to the station and sort of hear what's going on and adjust. Um, and that's one of the things I've got to do this weekend is find a couple of hours just to sit and listen and, you know, I'll probably work on my website or something while I've got 1FM playing in the background and just listen not only from a creative point of view but from also, also from an audio point of view. What do I need to tweak? What do I need to do? But um, that's one of the nice things about what I do is sort of for radio anyway is whereas with a commercial, you make it once and it goes out and it's like, well, pff, live with it. That's that's all I can do. But at least with imaging, you sort of have the chance to sort of develop what you're doing a bit as you go. There's a really yeah. interesting change in radio, which I, it's a little bit disappointing. It used to be the chain was always a, a beautiful chain. So by the time it got to going into transmission, uh, you had a lovely sound. Mm. Uh, but now it seems to be everything is done right at the last minute with um, all sorts of processing because yeah. um, the studios are not built properly. They're using, you know, yeah. pretty average equipment, you know. Well, that's that's but, the interesting thing. I mean, George, you'll laugh at this, but you walk into Triple M in Sydney, which is the radio station that I used to work at, but they're now in new facilities in the city. You walk into the produ- the main production studio and it's four glass walls. That's that's <laughs> the studio. It's basically all glass from on all four sides. And Fish tank. The, <laughs> Uh, that's right. And and that's the reason. So so it looks good when we bring clients on a station tour. Who gives a fuck about what the poor dude that's got to work in there and do the radio imaging? It, but when we bring clients through, oh man, it looks sexy and wow, you guys are, wow, you know, look at all that equipment and whoa, whoa, whoa. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's the way radio is going is, is it's all about, well, you know, we're going to spend all this money building a production studio. What else can we get out of it? The image well, I know one of the guys of that I work for. Yes, the image of imaging, yeah. absolutely. One of the guys that I do imaging for, one of the stations, the guy has to work with headphones because the room is so bad. Yeah, right. I don't doubt that at all. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. And uh, hello to Michael Sideshow Anderson at Triple M in Sydney who deals with that studio on a daily basis. I'm sure he's mixing in headphones too. Well, that brings us to the end of our radio imaging special and um, thanks to our special guest, Andreas, from Benstown. Mm. Thank you, chaps. Uh, Next episode, we're going to be talking about Source Connect uh, with some questions that have been sent through to us to uh, uh, answer with the help of, of course, Robert Marshall. Very nice. Good fun. I like talking about radio. Thank you, fellas, for indulging me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You've been indulged. 
goodbye Wipe the tear, baby, dear, from your eye Though it's hard to part, I know I'll be tickled to death to go Don't cry, don't sigh There's a silver lining in the sky Bonsoir, old thing, cheerio, chin-chin Na-poo, toodaloo, goodbye